what I should have done is found myself and followed my own advice, found an REO or a foreclosure or an estate sale and done the rehab myself instead of buying new from a developer. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, i check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show best ever listeners. How you doing? My name is Joe Fairless and... If you don't know about the show, well, then you're about to find out because you're listening to us right now. We get straight to the best real estate investing advice ever with our guests. We get straight to the good stuff that helps your business and help you make more money, save time, uh, and just have a happier life. (laughs) With us today, we've got a really, really good guest. And I'm building you up, Perry. So I know you're going to deliver, but I'm going to build you up really high. All right. I know it's always good to under-promise and over-deliver, but I'm just going to do the opposite with you just because, I don't know, just because I want to. I think, I think, you, can, I think you can handle it. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, Perry is based in Chicago, Illinois. He's a mortgage and finance expert, and he has a degree in software and computer science. His expertise is really finding the right mortgage and you can find him at his website, which is his name, perryferella.com or renoloanexpert.com. So uh, renoloanexpert.com. Uh, he's done over $150 million worth of loans. He's been in business since 2002 and he's a loan expert. And we're going we're gonna to hear about different types of loan programs from him and get some really good insight as we are, are talking about financing properties. So with that being said, Perry, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. My background has been in uh, Chicago area and Midwest area, real estate and finance for uh, quite a number of years. I used to finance and 
buy and sell my own properties locally in Chicago and uh, surrounding suburbs. And that grew into really my second career uh, beyond software. And so today, the last few years, with all the different foreclosures in the market, different REO properties and investors looking to buy those properties, but often needing funds to rehab them, there was a, uh, a shortage of knowledge in the consumer marketplace. Most consumers don't realize that there are loans out there that are conventional loans that can be used to not only acquire the property, but also add additional funds to renovate the property. And at the end, you have one loan, one mortgage payment, just like any other loan, but you've received extra funds based upon a contractor's estimate of what needs to be done inside the loan to go ahead and do the, the renovations. You can also borrow the money to make the mortgage payments during the construction process while the property can't be rented or can't be lived in. So you can add up to six months of mortgage payments into these loans as well. But we have a lot of investors that want to buy, for example, a uh, two-unit property. And let's say it's a small two-unit. And in their local market, they'd make more money if they would convert it to a single-family house, either for rental or for resale and flipping. So we have a loan that allows that to occur. It's called HomeStyle. It's a conventional loan by Fannie Mae. It's allowed for investors as well as for owner-occupiers. And you can take a two-unit property, a two-family home, a two-flat property, a two-unit apartment building, convert it to a single family with these funds. Very often, I see investors that will buy up a foreclosure or a rundown property that hasn't been maintained well, that's very old, and then put maybe $200,000, $250,000 into it using the money from this loan and end up with a house that might be worth 20%, 30% more potentially than they've put into it. So that would be a win-win. They can run out that house and certainly either at least break even every month or have positive cash flow beyond paying the mortgage and insurance and tax on it, or simply flip it over and sell it and, and realize the profit. And I know we all don't like paying taxes sometimes, but on uh, an investment like that, if the investor holds it for 12 months, the capital gains tax rate goes down, if I'm not mistaken, to a little bit lesser hit. So very often, some of the investors will hold the properties for a year and then look to resell them later. And this also would work if you uh, want to own and occupy. If you found, let's say, a four-unit property, you want to live in one apartment, run out the other three, again, these loans would be perfect for that. The loan limits go up conventional and even on FHA loans, as to the more units you have in the property. The top loan limit on a conventional loan for a foreign property now all across the country in a regular cost state is $801,950. On an FHA four-unit loan, the top loan limit is $703,250. So an example might be a client that I had uh, in the past bought a four-unit for three sixty-five, dollars put about two fifty dollars into it, and lives in one of the apartments, runs out the other three. And today, I believe he has over $1,000 a month in positive cash flow after the three apartments pay for the mortgage, principal interest, tax, and insurance on that for you. And he lives in a two-bedroom apartment in the building free. And he, uh, as I said, makes uh, positive cash flow of at least $1,000 a month today. And that was not even an REO property. That was an estate sale. Another thing I'd like to see people look for is estate sales. Very often in estate sale, 
is a situation where the siblings would like to get their money out quickly. They're not interested in updating or making the property look pretty. It's usually empty of furniture by then. So very often an estate sale is another opportunity to buy property at a lower price but in a great location. I had some clients actually today who closed on an estate sale of a single-family home in the suburbs, and they're going to put in about $30,000. They borrowed extra $30,000 in their loan. They put in a new kitchen, refinish the floors, paint, lighting, and so forth, and they'll have a, uh, a house that's in a great school district, a great location, and they will have added equity to it by doing all this work. And very likely, they will have added more than $30,000 of equity, more equity than the dollars they're actually putting into it. So these renovation-type loans can be a win-win even if you just want to buy a house for yourself, own and occupy it, or buy a multi-unit, own and occupy it. Or, as I say, if you're an investor, it's also a great opportunity if you have estate sales in your neighborhood, in your city, REOs, foreclosures. And a lot of people will always tell me that this is a very complex process. They're afraid to get into a home renovation. They see it on TV all the time, but when they go to do it themselves, they find that they're overwhelmed. And it's really not overwhelming. I have a, a blog I wrote uh, that's called The Seven Steps to a Successful Purchase Using a Renovation Loan. It's really only seven steps. I write a blog on this subject every day. You can find that on my website. I'm happy to answer questions anytime. But really, it's only a seven-step process. Don't be afraid of it. And uh, you can very likely make some money in your location, in your town. Yeah, and I'm glad that you're happy to answer questions because I've got some. And this is getting me excited because I'm personally in about three months, I'm going to be looking for a two to four unit here in Cincinnati to live in. I, I'm As I mentioned before, we started airing. I've lived in New York for the last 10 years and I haven't really had a chance to get in on the, um, the live in one side, run out the other bandwagon because I've been living in the East Village in Manhattan but now that I'm in Cincinnati, the market's a lot more conducive to that. So I'm going to be asking questions that are very specific. And these questions will be around the, the loan mechanics because I, I love this. And for somebody looking to, like, you know, I've heard it called house, house hacking. Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets calls it house hacking. But doing this approach, I think uh, they're going to be asking these same questions. So what are the qualifications? What's the qualification process? And if you think the seven-step process, if you want to go through that, if you think that will cover the questions that you're anticipating me asking, then you can just go ahead and do the seven-step process. All right. Well, why don't we just quickly go through the seven-step process and see if we cover all your questions. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. First step is what you're asking. Buyer has to be pre-approved for the amount of mortgage possible given their specific circumstances. So we look at income, assets for down payment, monthly cash flow relative to gross monthly income, what are the debts people are um, paying on currently, uh, there could be student loan payments, car loan payments, auto leases, minimum credit card payments, all those things are factored into what we call debt to income ratio, and we use the gross monthly income. For a self-employed borrower, we look at the last two years of tax returns, business returns as well as personal, and find out what the cash flow is from the business, and we, we would arrive at the same thing. We're calculating monthly debt-to-income ratio. And generally speaking, in lending today, the regulators like to see a 45% debt-to-income ratio, meaning if you made uh, gross 10000 a month, no more than 4500 of it would go for all of your debts, including your mortgage payments, real estate tax, and uh, property insurance. 
So we look to see where everyone falls into relative to the 45% debt to income ratio relative to the purchase price of the property and the size mortgage they need. And that's our most important step. We call that pre-approval. Checking credit history is important as well. We'd like to um, find out credit scores. There's a range of credit scores in conventional as well as FHA lending today that drive interest rates for the most part. Everyone always asks me, what drives my interest rate? What rate can I get? I have to give everybody the same answer. The rate you get is based upon your credit score and your credit history. There's been foreclosures in the last few years, bankruptcies. There are time frames that have to go by before FHA or conventional loans are eligible. So we call all that the pre-approval process. Second step, very simple. Contract to sign and the buyer does an inspection of the property like a buyer normally would. But we ask you to go through with a contractor and or an FHA construction consultant. FHA construction consultant will give you a written estimate or a feasibility study, meaning how much things cost based upon your desires to change the property and based upon mandatory items that might be out of code that really have to be fixed. So it's the second step. Third step is... Let me interrupt you real quick. How do you find an FHA construction consultant? Is that just Google or would somebody like you be able to refer somebody to a construction consultant to a borrower? Yeah, FHA itself on FHA.gov has a list of certified and licensed FHA construction consultants in every state. So check FHA.gov for a list of certified FHA construction consultants. Does that cost money out of pocket to get that consultant out there and give the quote? Yeah, the fees are regulated by FHA. You can actually find the fees on FHA.gov as well. So the construction consultant fees are controlled and limited by FHA and by HUD. And does that get paid out of pocket or is that rolled into the loan? That gets paid initially out of pocket. It's much like a home inspector. You're going through to decide, based upon the consultant's report, do you even want to undertake purchasing this property? Roughly how much does it cost? I believe the fees are in the range of between $500 and $1,000. Multi-unit buildings would be more than single-unit buildings. Got it. And the third step was just simply go through with your licensed contractors to get an actual written estimate of labor materials for what you decided you want to do. See how that squares with the estimate that was projected by the FHA consultant's feasibility study. That's why it's a good opportunity for you to always get an FHA consultant to walk through. That person cannot act as contractor, so they're not biased. They'll give you an opinion written down for labor material costs in your local economy, your local market. You compare that with what the contractors are giving you. That way you can weed out any contractors that are bidding too low or too high. And then the fourth stuff is submit your loan application, submit all your documents, get the loan processed and approved for closing, including the funds needed for renovation. The fifth step is we close the loan and bring the funds to the closing, and the funds are held in escrow by the lender, and they're released after closing. And as work progresses, the lender will send in an inspector to inspect, take pictures, sign off on the quality of the work. The local town will very likely send in an inspector as well to make sure all the work is done according to local codes. Once all of that is done, the contractors are paid in a series of draws or a series of phases. And when work is completed, the final phase or the final piece of funds is sent out. Real quick, so as the contractors are paid, is it the borrower's responsibility to coordinate all of that or are the contractors working directly with the mortgage company? No, the borrower doesn't have to coordinate anything. The contractor will work directly with a draw person at the lender or a draw specialist, submit paperwork to that person, and uh, will get the money sent out 
through the homeowner, meaning that in these loans, the money is never sent directly to the contractor. A two-party check is sent to the homeowner. Homeowner signs off on the check, hands it to the contractor. If the homeowner is unsatisfied with the work, contractor will not get paid. Contractors cannot get any money up front. They cannot get any money under false circumstances with these checks and balances in place that we have in these loans. So the fifth step was close the loan and bring funds to the closing. What were six and seven? Six is the rehab funds are held by the lender and released in uh, several in a couple different phases after closing. So six is really after closing, but prior to completion of construction. The final step, work is completed and signed off by the local building inspector of the local town and the FHA consultant, and the homeowner, and the final check is issued to the contractor. I didn't hear anywhere in the process where the lender was looking at the after-repair value and making sure you wouldn't be underwater based on what you're borrowing. Is that part of the process? Yeah, that's an important part of the process. That's in step four. The property is appraised to its future value when fully rehabbed based upon the lender seeing the contractor's work right up. So we get the contractor's work right up, which tells us all the different tasks that will be completed, all the different work, the costs associated with each task. We hand that off to an appraiser. Appraiser uses that document to appraise the property for its future completed value when the rehab is done. In these types of loans, the purchase price is not going to be the appraised value. The appraised value is the future value of the property when all the work is done. And that's how the loan is approved. You mentioned estate sales, and how quickly does this process happen? Because it seems like it's an FHA loan, right? So There are two types, FHA or conventional, but the okay. steps are very similar. Okay. How quick is this compared to a regular loan? This is going to take a little bit longer than a regular loan. We usually estimate 45 to 60 days from start of application to the closing day. And the reason why is we have to get the homeowners, the buyers, to go out and find their contractors, and they may wish to have two or three contractors interviewed and walk through the property. Then as lenders, we do some validation process on the contractors. We check their license, their insurance, their references, make sure they have the financial capability to handle a project of this size, whatever it's going to be. So that's called contractor validation. So that occurs while the loan is being processed and approved. But we can't do that until the buyer makes a final selection of a contractor and the contractor submits the written work write-up with labor and material costs. So these loans will take longer than a plain old purchase loan, but they take a little bit longer only because we're validating a contractor, we're waiting for a contractor to write up a bid. So we have to keep the process flowing so that we all stay on time and we set expectations up front with both the seller and the buyer. Are there certain FHA-approved contractors like there are FHA construction consultants? No, not exactly. FHA does not approve contractors uh, or keep a contractor list specifically. Many lenders will keep an approved list that they may refer, but really a homeowner can use any contractor they wish, provided that the contractor is licensed locally as a contractor or general contractor, has insurance, and if they have employees, the contractors usually need to have workman's cop insurance also, as well as liability insurance if they damage the property. And then we all we also like to check two or three of their recent references within the last few months or the last year to make sure they can handle similar projects like this. So homeowners can pick their own contractors, but many times lenders might give them a contractor list of already pre-approved contractors to select from. And that might speed up the process. What type of terms 
I know you said it depends on credit, but I'm not I'm not necessarily talking about the interest rate, but just what are the type of terms like amortization, things like that? Most people select a 30-year amortization term with any type of rehab loan. There is a 15-year term available as well. Most people select 30, but in reality, what usually happens is because of the discovery of what we call hidden equity, the properties end up being much more than what was put into them, meaning that six months, 12 months after construction is complete, we often do a second appraisal and see where the property is valued in the market then. We often see that it is valued higher than it was at the beginning of the process when we first projected the value. And the reason we do that is many times homeowners, property owners, investors like to refinance out of their construction loan because they always carry a somewhat higher interest rate than a regular loan. Sometimes they may even have private mortgage insurance or FHA mortgage insurance. So many times we see the discovery of hidden equity and the value of the property increases beyond just the dollars put into it. So we do a second appraisal six, 12 months after the construction is complete. And many times we refinance out of the construction loan entirely, saving the borrowers money either by lower interest rate or by removing any mortgage insurance. And what happens if the property appraises for less than what was put into it? Does anything happen? Nothing happens. The borrower is free to continue with the construction loan. That's why they're amortized over either 15 or 30 years. They're regular loans where principal and interest is paid off every month. So conceivably, a homeowner or property owner could continue with the construction loan to the end of the term and pay it off in 30 years or 15 without ever refinancing it. And what percent down is typical for these types of loans? As an investor, 20% down is required for the conventional home style loan, meaning an investor who's going to take a property and rent it out or, or never live there. A homeowner, however, who wants to live in one of these properties, whether it's a multi-unit or a single family, can, under the FHA version, have a down payment as small as 3.5%, or under the conventional version, a borrower can have a down payment as small as 5%. And to clarify, when we say down payment, we mean down payment of the purchase price and a down payment on the renovation piece. So it's 35 or 5% or 20% of the entire piece. If we're estimating total closing costs as far as any other costs involved out of pocket, like cash out of pocket, the down payment is 3.5%. What is the total percentage, would you say, factoring in, say, like the FHA construction consultant and any other miscellaneous costs? That number would vary a little bit by different uh, states and towns, different states. Sometimes have real estate transfer stamp taxes when a buyer is purchasing real estate. In Chicago, for example, they have one that the buyer pays $7.50 of transfer stamp tax on every $1,000 of purchase price. So that can vary. But as an example, I might say that on FHA loan, the down payment is 3.5% of the purchase price plus 3.5% of the renovation fund. And then generally closing costs with all the other things, including the FHA consultant, might end up to be another 4%, just as a rough example. Okay. What are the loans called? The FHA version is called 203K. The conventional version, which is the one investors use, that's called HomeStyle. 203K and the investor version is called HomeStyle? Correct. Wow. Well, I don't think I've even asked you the magic question yet. What's that? It, well, the magic question is the, the name of the show. So, Perry, we've got through a whole lot of really good information. And now here here's the magic question. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? 
Well, the best advice is uh, best real estate investing ever with Joe Fearless. (laughs) Well, I'll go with that. I'm cool with that. And if we hadn't gone through this seven-step process for successfully purchasing using a renovation loan and talking through this in detail... I might challenge you on that and get some more stuff, but I, I think we're good. You've given so much value already. I think we're good with that. Are you good with that? I'm good with it. I appreciate the opportunity to speak. All right. Well, you ready for the lightning round? You're not getting away this easily. You still got a lightning round. Okay. You ready? All right. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. All right, Perry, what's the best ever book you've read? Well, that's investing in real estate. Is that a particular book or just generally speaking? Generally speaking, there are a number of different authors that I've been following, but there's a lot of good books out there. What's one specific one that stands out to you, top of mind? You know, there's so many out there right now that it's difficult for me to to pinpoint one that's really good or one particular author, but I would advise everybody to take a look at uh, everything that Joe Fearless writes. Oh my God. (laughs) I I don't know if I'd advise them to to do that. I write some terrible blog posts sometimes. (laughs) Perry, what's the best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it? Personal growth experience is when you make a mistake on anything, whether it's in uh, transactional real estate or something that's happening in your life. You don't learn anything if you don't make mistakes. What's a specific example where you've made that mistake and, and what did you learn from it? In my own real estate investing, I made a mistake of buying something that was already new built by a developer at an inflated price, which then lost value later on. And what I learned is, what I should have done is found myself and followed my own advice on an REO or a foreclosure or an estate sale and done the rehab myself instead of buying new from a developer. A mistake I'll never make again. These loans allow you to be the developer and you to keep the profit. I like that. What's the best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal was for a client who bought a four unit estate sale at 365 a couple of years ago, after all his work and after the appreciation of the market, we just appraised it this year for 975. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Right now, one of the things that we're doing is we're renovating an old log house up in the northern part of Illinois that had been built 100 years ago with cypress logs, and uh, the client is using one of our renovation loans to restore a true log house. Real quick, the best ever deal, what market was that in? Best ever deal market would be uh, city of Chicago itself. That's where that deal is? Yes. Got it. What's the best ever way you like to give back? I like to support local charities in the city of Chicago itself. And I think that's a, a great way to give back to the area. Great children's charities, also for uh, animals, animal welfare. Those are charities that I follow very much here locally. And we mentioned it before, but let's just remind our listeners, what's the best ever place to reach you? Best ever place to reach me is uh, through my website, rentaloanexpert.com. Well, Perry, you gave us the seven steps to successfully purchasing using a renovation loan and talked in detail, in detail, big time detail 
or small time. Should I say small time detail? Because it's like very specific. I don't know. But you talked in detail about this. And um, for anybody looking to do the house hacking where you're buying a multi-unit, less than five, two to four unit, living one side, running out the other, you've got to just write down these steps and at least consider doing the renovations. Because I know whenever I first started investing in real estate, I was always looking for cash flowing properties. It costs like $1,000 or less to get into it. And I was able to do okay because I was just buying in 2009 whenever you know there were fire sales. And now, generally speaking, every market's different, every submarket's different. But generally speaking, I think we need to look for some of the projects that need a little bit more work in them. And we might be able to buy from a turnkey provider, which if that's kind of what your goals are from a very passive investment, then that's fine. And I would recommend that. But if you're looking to live in one side, run out the other, then this is the type of loan program that I would seriously consider and at minimum just educate yourself on the, the 203K for FHA and the, what's the investor one called? Home what? Home style. Home style. The home style loan. I like that. Just, I'm going to be looking this up myself and uh, maybe in about three months, I'll, I'll give everyone an update on how I'm financing my property that I'm, I'm going to be doing. And until then, you delivered, my friend. You delivered on the high expectations that I unfairly set for you. So thank you, Perry, for being on the show, sharing your insight. Now, the best advice ever was a little shaky because you didn't come prepared for that. But you nailed it with everything else. And that's what's most important. And your best ever book recommendation. My gosh. I mean, I'm patting myself on the back because of what you said. So thank you so much for that, too. It's been so nice speaking with you, Perry. Thank you, Joy. I appreciate it. And uh, have a great day. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.